here comes Milwaukee. Forbes another three. Oh no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrooge Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. I am your host, Alex Masper. We got a smaller crew with us today, but I am joined by the legendary Hot Take Harry. How are we doing today, Harry? Happy Halloween. It's a couple days afterward, but you killed it with the costume this year. You're rocking the goatee right now. Can't see it uh, audioly, but you killed it this year with the costume. How are we feeling right now, Harry? Um, pretty good, yeah. Celebrating Day of the Dead, obviously. It's a big holiday for me. And, um, you know, just... Watching some heat. We're obviously got the Kings game tonight. No Jimmy. Mm -hmm. So we will see how that goes for our favorite little basketball team. So as we're recording this right now, the Kings game is literally about to tip off. So we might be seeing some crazy stuff. No Jimmy Butler tonight, but Tyler Hero is playing. George, how are we feeling, my man? We uh, last time we spoke, it was right before the uh, West Coast road trip where we were all not having the greatest time. But how are you feeling now, George? I feel a little bit better. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how my expectation could have gone any lower for them. But when, you know, I, it wasn't even because of the, just the fact that we were losing. The, the way the team looked in, in wins and in losses at the start was pretty um, was pretty appalling all around. I just, I just saw so many holes, so many gaps, so many problems. I didn't know they could, uh, they could play out of. But at the same time, they have had some really good performances more recently. Uh, we, we just won against Golden State, and that was a fantastic victory in which we're able to close out a game for the first time in I don't know how long when the game was close. So it's – it's look, it, it, my expectation hasn't gone anywhere. I still believe that there's still, uh, you know, problems and there's still, you know, a lot of gaps with this team. But I, I see I see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I see some, some good performances from a lot of the players, and some players are still struggling a little bit. But – it's a long season. Yeah, it is a long season. Again, I am very excited from the most recent one that the Heat had uh, against the Golden State Warriors. We will get into it. But one thing that Heat Twitter and just the Heat fans in general have been talking a lot about recently is some aspects of this starting lineup, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero. And that's where we're going to start this episode off tonight. And Harry, I'm going to start with you. What does Kyle Lowry do? That is it either good or average at this point. Some people have called for his benching. Some people have said start Gabe. Where do you stand on Kyle Lowry right now? Obviously, he's not having a great start to the season. He's had a nice couple good games. Golden State was was pretty well. He was passing the ball well. But shooting, he's been abysmal this year. Harry, where are you standing on Kyle Lowry right now? Um, I'm nervous. You know, I, I don't know if my expectations were super high from him coming into the season, but I guess I was just hoping that he would take some threes and get everyone into offense early and just not be horrendous. And so I think it's kind of been like every other game, which seems to be a staple of this heat squad. They just don't seem to bring it every night. So I'm a little worried about this back to back tonight. Um, You know, I thought obviously Portland, that first game of the road trip was his best game. Uh, He just seemed to have some energy. He was coming off screens. He was hitting a ton of corner threes. And I think he had five threes that game. And that's really, I think that's what they're going to need from him. They're just going to need him to shoot um, because that's kind of what the Heat need from the point guard. With uh, with Bam and Jimmy in the lineup and neither of them being exceptional shooters, you just really need spacers around them. And so Kyle kind of has to be a spacer. And the problem is, you know, he started the season, I think he was shooting 28% through the first three or four games. Um, it's just not going to work for them. And um, he seems to have the ball in his hands a lot, which I think would work 
probably earlier in his career when he was more of an elite point guard and kind of at the tail end. Um, it's just got to be out of his hands quicker. The ball movement has to be better, and that's obviously something you saw, especially in the second half of the Golden State game yesterday. Um, the ball movement was crisp. It was moving around. It didn't really stick. They're going to have issues on this team when the ball sticks. Um, you're going to have them taking shots early in the shot clock. And they don't need a lot from Lowry. They just need him to not be awful. I think that's kind of where we're at. Like, just don't be horrendous. And that's going to, you know, they have to figure out if him and Tyler can start together because I kind of think that's the problem. And I I know people want to put Tyler back off the bench, but you just gave him that big extension. I don't really want to do that to him. I don't think he's played particularly badly. And I understand people get annoyed about his defense and stuff. There's just things that he's not able to fix based on his size and who he is as a player. Um, and Gabe's been good. I think that that might be the move eventually um, is start Gabe, bring Kyle off the bench, let him kind of do his thing with the bench. You, you remember last season when the big guys were out, Kyle was very good during that stretch of games. Um, it was basically him and shooters, and they, and they they rolled off some big wins. And um, I think that's what I'd like to do. Uh, my, my expectations are not high. I'm not apologizing to Kyle Lowry. I never will. Um, and uh, I just want him to play and earn his contract, you know, do the best he can and help us win because that's what he was brought in to do. And if he becomes a negative, this team's in a lot of trouble. Now I'm going to go real quick here about the Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry dilemma. Kyle Lowry to me needs to come off the bench, not because, you know, I want to see him get past some defenders, which he's been struggling to do. Uh, but I really do believe that Kyle Lowry is just playing like a bench player right now. He's not shooting well. He can pass well, but sometimes I think Jimmy and a lot of times Bam just make these ridiculous catches that make me consider they should play tight end for the Miami Dolphins. But in all honesty, Kyle Lowry to me off the bench, I think would give him an opportunity to get to the rim a little bit more, face some less capable on ball point of attack defenders. But at the same time, I'm also starting to think that if Kyle Lowry continues to stink it up the rest of the year, eventually maybe some of these worst defenders are going to go up on him and he'll have a couple of good games. Again, I don't want to diminish his experience. He's obviously an NBA champion. I know he was at one point a very good point guard in this league, but I'm not a big plus minus guy. But when you look at the plus minus, it's really bad when Kyle Lowry's on the floor. And it's really good when Gabe Vincent's on the floor. And I don't love all the stuff that Gabe Vincent does specifically at the end of the shot clock and at the end of games, but I love his defense. And I think more oftentimes than not, Gabe Vincent just makes the right play. George is back. So, George, I'm going to go right back to you here. Would you start Gabe Vincent? Would you bench Kyle Lowry? Would you continue to ride this kind of front court partnership out? And just in Kyle Lowry in general, again, where, where are you standing on that? Look, I'll return to my original point where I was saying that the um... – on paper, it works. I like the idea of Gabe Vincent starting and, and Kyle Lowry coming off the bench. But um, when you're paying someone $30-something something million like you are Kyle Lowry and you expect so much from him, I would lean towards just keeping him in the starting lineup because he does offer so much of what we do need um, over the course of the season. And and I, as much as I like Gabe Vincent, and I just don't think he's ready for that starting role yet, I, I like what he brings offensively. I don't know if he's the whole package. Um, do I think he's better than Lowry? Some nights, absolutely. Um, but I I wouldn't trust the starting role with him long-term. I just don't think that that's a viable option uh, moving forward, regardless of what the numbers say. I, it's, I know it's a numbers game at the moment, but we, you know, 
we've got to keep in mind it's you know egos coming to play and 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 morals and everything like that it's a, it's a very complicated issue to start to to bench someone who's making i don't know about eight or nine times more than the player, player you're about to come up against as well so it's a it's a big move for the organization moving forward but um i feel like with lowry if he continues to do what he's been doing the last couple of games which is just shoot the ball at a at a higher clip from 3 and and really get us get us moving again because I know I know that he's still a very good point guard in terms of what he can bring. I know that he can bring exactly what this team needs. That's why they brought him in. That's why they traded our precious um for him, which was a promising pickup for us. We saw more than we're seeing now. And I just hope I just hope his body can hand, handle the the pressure that a you know a long season is going to bring. And another playoff run, playoff run where this organization is looking to go deep again. Yeah, I. One of the other reasons why I kind of lean towards Lowry maybe coming off the bench as well is kind of what you were talking about with his age, George. And the, I don't love seeing Kyle Lowry play thirty six minutes. I just don't. I, I think that's a recipe for sometime either pre or post All Star break for a hamstring issue. And again, as much as I, I or we or whatever people dislike Kyle Lowry's season that he's having so far and maybe his tenure in Miami overall, you want him healthy in the playoffs. That's when he can make a little bit more impact. That's when experience comes in uh, more than anything. And again, like you might have to swallow your pride. And like you were saying, George, that guy makes what damn near 10 times like what Gabe Vincent is making and to make that transition. But the Lakers did it with Russell Westbrook. And I'm not saying Kyle Lowry is Russell Westbrook, but at a certain point you got to think, Hey, what's, what's going to work. And if there's any organization that prioritize winning games over paychecks and optics and all that, I would assume it would be the Miami Heat the way they've been operating since Pat Riley took over. So go ahead, uh, Harry, go ahead. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to say, and I uh, you, I think it's actually close to like 15 times his salary based on what Gabe's making. I mean, it, but um, Gabe's been a pretty steady presence. I remember at the beginning of last year, I was kind of worried. I, I was thinking maybe this guy doesn't have it. And then kind of like a, a switch flip for him and – he looked very good the second half of the season. He looked great in the postseason when Kyle went down. If you remember, they were six and one with Gabe starting last year. Um, you're never, you know, there's a couple games where he'll like light the other team up. Um, he takes, uh, seems to take pleasure in, in really destroying the Sixers, especially. But, um, you know, you look at the box score and you're not seeing anything great from him. But uh, the game, it just seems a bit calmer. Uh, things are running a bit better when he's out there. He's not going to hold on to the ball too long. Um, Usually, I mean, once in a while, maybe he'll take a ill-advised fadeaway three or something. But for the most part, Vincent's pretty good for a young guy they picked off of the uh, Kings G League team a few years back. So, um, you know, I think they got to just – I don't know if they need to make the switch, but I think you're right, Alex. I just think the the minutes probably need to be distributed a little more evenly. And, um, you know, if they want to close with Gabe, they can because of his defense – and these are just things I'll have to figure out as the season goes on. Um, you know, what does what does Kyle bring compared to Gabe? What which which buttons to push there? And uh, you know, if Gabe keeps playing well like this, it's, they're going to have a tough argument if Kyle's having these games where every every night you really don't know what you're getting. Um, we'll kind of see how he does tonight on the back to back. But those are things that worry me too, obviously, with his age. And you know, this team doesn't do well in these back to back games anyway. 100%. And I think you bring up an interesting point. And maybe, you know, with the minutes distribution, you don't necessarily have to bench Lowry. You can kind of split their minutes and, you know, close with Gabe when he's having a nice game. You know, as much shade as I throw, Kyle Lowry's going to have a decent first quarter right now with eight points, and they're going to need it without Jimmy Butler right now. Uh, Kevin Herter is unfortunately cooking us, though. I can't even lie to you. 
Uh, he's at 10 now, George just said. So, George, I'm going to start with you on this next topic because we have been talking a lot about Tyler Hero, and I kind of want to interweave Max Struess into this because another suggestion that's been made is bringing Max Struess back into the starting lineup, even though he's been a pretty good sixth man uh, for the Heat so far this year. The scoring numbers are relatively similar. A lot of people like to bring up between Hero and Struess. Obviously, they're two completely different offensive players. They get their buckets in different ways. But how are you feeling about Max Struess right now? Would you interject him into the lineup? And again, Max Struess is one of these guys, like Gabe Vincent, we were just talking about, who are free agents at the end of the year. And we like to talk about asset management with the Heat. If they're not going to be kept around long-term, which there's a good reason to argue that they won't be, a move might need to be made. So, George, I'm going to start with Max Struess because I got some feelings on him that I'll get into later. But Max Struess is having a great start to the season after, you know, not getting that starting gig. So what's your thoughts on his start to the season? Would you maybe interject him over Hero? What do you think? Look, I have a tendency with these sort of questions to kind of just just ramble on. It's not actually answer it. So I'll answer it straight off the bat. Um, no, I'm not going to say the reason why I'm going to say no is, is, is not because I don't feel like you're fit. I feel like Struess earned that spot last year and, and he would still thrive in it today. Uh, but I, I just comes back to me. We, I don't know how comfortable I am benching 60 something million dollars of your salary in like Lowry and Tyler here to bring on Max Struess. And I understand that it's not, you know, it's not all about the, um, you know, the paycheck and it's about winning games, but I, Hero brings something that that Max doesn't, and Max brings something that Hero doesn't, and that's just uh, he's just a bigger body, something you can't teach. He's a better defender, in my opinion, than Hero, uh, and and he just gets hot in a hurry, and he do, and he does have that clutch factor, hundred percent, and that's what Tyler Hero has been missing through much of the season, when you know the the lights shine bright and and we need a big bucket. I feel more comfortable with Max Schroes, um hitting the shot than 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 Tyler Hero. I feel like Tyler gets, I don't know, into his head too much. And even you saw yesterday, there's a quote that came out saying that Hero said that he could have played the, the fourth quarter. Um, and we ended up winning a really close game. And I, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know how I feel with him closing rather than, you know, I feel like that's more interesting than seeing Max star is who's going to close. Because out of the two, I don't know who I trust more. Um, over, you know, someone who really does consistently get your buckets in the regular season or someone like Max Struess who's known to get you those big buckets at, at the right time. So the biggest question with Hero is two, th there's two questions really with his starting, you know, starting role tenure. And that's, can he defend it at a decent enough level where you don't feel like he's being a liability? And the other one is, can he actually hit the shots and play with his team? Because I feel like the playmaking is a, a, a big and the ball movement's a big problem when, when, when Hero's on the floor, I feel like he, he doesn't know yet when to pass and when to shoot. And I feel like that's going to be a problem until someone sits down with him and actually shows him, you know, proper film and say, you know, in this situation, look to do this, look to do that. And it's a mentality change as much as anything else. So no, I'm not starting hero, um, uh, Struce over hero. Uh, I feel like he just needs that time and he needs that experience on the floor to really make those decisions. As much as I love Max Struess, I'm kind of with you, George. I think especially after you pay Tyler Hero that contract, you have to find a way for him to take sort of another step because, I don't know, if you put Hero back on the bench again, and yes, he would feast in that six-man role like he did last year, it almost just seems to me like you're kind of admitting you know where his ceiling's at and you know that, like, the type of player he's going to be. And again, if you were telling me that Tyler Hero was going to be a six-man-of-the-year candidate year in, year out, when the Heat drafted him, I would have told you that's fantastic. 
But when you attach that contract to it and some of the expectations and the other things we've expected from him, it's it's kind of weird. But you brought up Max Struess's big shot making ability, and and that's what he does, and that's kind of where. I'm kind of leaning on towards extending him. And again, Duncan Robinson tricked a lot of people, myself included, into believing, you know, he could have kept this level of play up. And then as soon as he got paid, it didn't work. I would hate for the same thing to happen to Max Struess. But again, he's just been making big shots for this team. And Harry, you brought it up. Uh, Harry and both George, both of you brought it up. The ball movement is a lot different when Hero's in the game versus Struess and, and even a little bit of Duncan. But the thing is with Tyler, and I don't know if, you know, Spolstra meant to, but there was that quote a couple of day, games ago now where he said, the ball's got to move. It can't all be about you. It's hard to envision that's not directed necessarily at Tyler. Harry, where do you stand on Struess? You're the big asset management guy. What would you do if Struess continues to play like this? Would you rather him stay on this team if you could move a Duncan, if you can do something like that? Or if the price is too high, if it gets close to you know 15 million, if a team's willing to pay that, would you would you work on a sign and trade? What would be the, the way to handle Max Struess? You know, like I've been saying, it's not – the issue isn't like you shouldn't just get guys in and then move them simply to move them. You just have to make a decision on where you see them in the future of the team. So if the Heat really likes Struess and want him to be a part of the team for the next few years, um, you come up with a number that makes sense and you offer that to him when you get to the offseason and hopefully he takes it. It can't stop doing these five-year deals. Let's do like two to three-year deals. That would make more sense to me. If you wanted to really pay him a lot, do your deal or something and get him paid. And then, then you can figure it out from there. Plus, who cares if he struggles, right? Like let's say he has a Duncan-like struggle. It's much easier to move a two-year contract than it is a five. So that's kind of – you need. that's what they need to think about and where they've been making the mistakes. Um, you know, I, I, the way Max is shooting and the way he's playing – I think you lean that you have to keep them, but that means that other guys have to go and they have to figure out what to do now because if they get to the offseason with, with this same team, um, their their options are going to be slim. Uh, they're not going to – Mickey's not going to pay big money to get to the tax. He'd, he'd probably make a tax-cutting move uh, using assets they don't want to use or can't really afford to use. And that's just – that's kind of what I'm – that's my – what I've always been preaching is like you got to be three steps ahead. So you you got to play 40 chess. It's not about – if they realize that this team can't win as is, and there's not a move out there that's going to push them into contention, I don't not I'm not saying the team is going to tank, and they really have never tanked. The only season they ever tanked was when Wade got hurt, and everybody else got hurt, and they ended up with the second pick, and they got Beasley. And while you know everyone has their own opinions about Beasley, they're never going to tank again because they got what they thought was the best guy in the drafts, and it did not work out for them. They're just not gonna they're not gonna do it. Spose and a coach that's going to give up anything and so they're never going to tank. My point was I just think they built this team so strangely where they don't have any real – like what advantage do they have over other NBA teams? I've been mentioning this a lot because that chart scared me. Like they're the worst combination of height and weight in the NBA. The only team that's skinnier are the Hawks, but they're considerably taller obviously. And what were they trying to do with this team? A lot of the issues you guys have mentioned, some guys and the starters on the bench – you know, I, I liked Caleb backing up Jimmy. He was good to come in, play great defense. He was kind of the energy guy. Um, now he's starting next to Jimmy. Um, he's not, you know, he doesn't shoot at the level that, that a Max shoots or a Duncan shoots. Like, I thought they were going to start Max and Hero to give spacing around the around the three other guys in the lineup. And so that's kind of where I'm looking, and I'm like, I like Caleb, and I get why he's starting, but it's also, 
I don't know if they're maximizing everyone's potential. And so when you look at the Golden State game in that second half and Tyler went down and Duncan came in, like when Duncan and Max are shooting like that, the the, the offense is beautiful because the, the defenses know what to do. They're just chasing these guys uh, off the line. Duncan's gotten a little better this season of putting the ball on the floor, which he really had never done before. Um, so I'll give Duncan credit for that. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and bash him. Um, but they just need to figure out like what's going to make this team work for me. Keep going with Tyler in the starting lineup. You paid him, you made a commitment to him, figure it out. Um, to put him, like you're saying, to put him on the bench would be admitting that it's, it's not like he's not the guy that you need or want. And even if that's the case, right. And even if they have to look at next off season and figure out if they want to make a move with him, like, Trade him after he's had a good year. Let him work through it. And my other thing is, and I've mentioned this before, I don't care if you lose games, but gain something from the losses. Like, that was my point where why are we putting – you gain nothing by playing Deadman if he's looking like an old man out there. So just play Jovic and see what you got. Because at that point, let him learn on the job and let him make mistakes. I don't really care about – if you end up losing, you were probably going to lose anyway. So – might as well try to gain something from that. They need to figure out what works in these lineups. Um, you know, Hero needs to stop uh, having the ball stick. He needs to become, you know, get back into the ball movement stuff, which he's always been pretty good at. So I, I you know, when they say, oh, everyone's in a new role, I don't want to like, I think it's stupid because they've been on the team for a long time, but there's definitely some some kinks they have to work out to, to figure this one out because I want Hero starting. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with the four spot. I think a replacement at the four is ideal where you have Caleb coming back off the bench. And um, regardless of what they decide to do with Max or Gabe or anyone else they want to bring back, um, they are going to have to move Duncan simply because the salary is too much next year to really build this team. So I think I very long-windedly answered your question. You definitely did. But – you did bring up Dwayne Dedman as well, and I want to get into him. I've called this man the analytical antichrist because his plus minus is – it's record stuff. I mean, what he's done. He did have a decent game against Golden State. We can't even lie. Like, this man did decent. I just watched him hit a three on my screen a few minutes ago. George, I want to talk about the backup five. Obviously, Yurtsevin, who we've all had opinions on, is supposedly coming back at some point. Uh, I don't know. Um, Jovich obviously wasn't gets some spot minutes sometimes around there, sometimes not. We've seen UD get some like real rotational minutes at some point. What where are you standing at with the backup big right now? Like, do do they make a move? Is the answer on the roster? Do we give Kane a run? Do we give Yurtsevin a run? I mean, because Dwayne Dedman has been absolutely killing them outside of one or two games. I I don't know what to believe in them more. I heard the McRib was coming back as well. I just can't I just can't decide what what What's true and what's not anymore? I think it's all lies. I, I heard Victor Depot is going to be playing this week. That's looking unlikely. You had seven. I don't. I'm. I'm very, very tired of trying to rely on players coming back from injury or coming back from this and that. I'm not. I'm not saying that every player gets, you know, uh, an ankle strain is is completely dead and 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 spoiled goods at that point. What I'm trying to say is that I, I don't believe that this team has thought out exactly how they were going to fill these these needs. Because you look at every single game we play, we, in the games that we get blown out, we get out-rebounded by 20. In the games that are close, we get out-rebounded by 20. <laughs> it's just, it, does your seven fill the need? I don't know. Because 
at the same time, while he's a lot younger than Deadman and the body's a lot better, his IQ on the floor is low. And I see it, and that's, you know, I, I that's from a, such a small sample size as well, but he moves like a chess piece. He doesn't know how to move his feet under the basket at all. He doesn't know when to pass, when to shoot. When when we saw him in Summer League, um, like last season Summer League, he looked like a tank. He looked like a rebounding machine. Three-point scoring was there. He had 30 and 15, and I think in one of those games, we just thought he was, you know, it was it was great coming in, but once you see what he offers, I, I don't know if it's exactly what the Heat need. Um, I, I think they they understand they need someone versatile and and athletic in that position. You don't exactly have to have a seven foot five person guarding the paint at any one time, but you picked up a seven foot guy who can't really move that well, and then you've got another seven footer who's thirty seven years old who looks like he's fifty seven. And I don't actually, I think I'm wrong with the Deadman age, but at the same time, I, I don't care. He's old and he doesn't feel the need um, on a given night. But I, I don't see Jamal Kane really breaking the rotation like that. Maybe as a backup four, but I'm, I'm so sick of playing small with this team um, for, for long stretches like that. At this point, Caleb has looked terrible. I'm not going to lie. Starting lineup, I, don't, I feel like he's just unsuited for the position. He was perfect as a backup to Jimmy, and I stand by that. Um, it, it's just, there's nothing wrong with getting a traditional sized power forward to guard other power forwards and, and to get rebounds and to help with shooting as well. There's a lot of players like that on the market right now. So I feel like the, the problem can be solved externally over internally. Um, and I feel like they've tried enough, you know, into internal changes and internal development, which is the single worst word in basketball. Internal development can kill, can make and break you um, and can blind you to the truth. But I feel like the problem's external, especially with the big man rotation. I, I feel like you just give you a seven to run after injury and see how it goes as well. It's, it's still early in the season. Maybe he's a different man. We don't know. So you talked a lot about like some of those internal developments and things like that. So let's talk external options. The Heat this season are obviously going to make a move, right? Most likely after December 15th maybe even closer to the trading deadline. But Harry, I'm going to start with you. Is there a move in season we made? We've talked about names, Miles Turner, PJ Washington, some other people have come up. Who are you targeting if you're Pat Riley, if you're Andy Ellisberg, if you're the Heat general manager right now to try to salvage the season? Because again, we can talk about, you know, maybe trying to adjust towards the future and, and maybe eating it this year. But in reality, the Heat aren't going to do that. They're, they're going to do everything they can to try and win a championship this year. So is there a move out there to be made? Um, you know, the dream's obviously Kevin Durant if he ever asked out out of Brooklyn again, but that seems unlikely. So, Harry, is there a move to be made specifically maybe at the four that you're looking at in season? Um, I think the answer is yes. Obviously, the four that they're looking for to play next to Bam is someone who can switch on defense, can hit the three. You know, you got to be shooting basically 38% or above, I think, is kind of the level they're looking at where that's a consistent three-point threat. And obviously, probably someone who does it even better from the corners that's Spose an artist at getting uh, getting his guys open shots from the from the corners, and um, I think you kind of need like a younger guy, someone that you're would be fine extending if you ended up trading for them, because I don't think we can keep filling the gaps with these guys. It has not really worked that well. Obviously, PJ worked very well for one season, but you know he, he's allowed to leave and and take more money. I'm happy that he's going to screw up the Sixers and get hurt at some time later because that's just what he does. 
Um, so it's fine to let him go. The problem is the Heat didn't do anything to replace them. They're already down a roster spot. Um, you know, Deadman's, Deadman saw Joan of Arc burn, so he's been around for a very, very long time. And um, we just need we need some youth. Um, we need some young guys that are ready to come out. So you mentioned a couple that I like. Um, I'm a big PJ uh, Washington fan. He was obviously I thought he was going to be um, the Heat pick in the Hero. I think I'm trying to think same year in the Hero draft. I like PJ Washington. Uh, I like both guys on the Wizards. I like Kuzma. I like Rui Hachimuri or Hachimuri. Yeah, um, I like both those guys. Um, not as big on the on the Miles Turner. I understand why he's a good fit. Yeah, I got corrected. Hachimura. Sorry, I don't want to ruin anyone's last name because my last name is also complicated. Um, I'm not as big on the Miles Turner only because I think he ends up like he would help this team. I think his impact's a bit overrated. Um, I like a Mo Bamba who's struggling quite a bit in Orlando. Uh, I think he could be good next to Bam and also be a good backup big. And honestly, I could probably go through a list and figure out more guys that make sense. These options are available for me if you're going to use the first-round pick. And honestly, the more I think about it and the more worried I get about this team, I think I'm holding on to that 2023 first. I think I would try to move later first-round picks. Um, I think – because here's the thing, right, guys? We've talked about how how many how much money's on the books for next year. A cheap contract that could help the team, you know, if it, it ends up being – a lottery pick or a mid twenties pick or something. We've seen the heat draft pretty well from that spot. I know everyone was super mad that precious was raw, but obviously um, I think he's going to be a pretty decent player and he's a guy that would have, and probably, you know, would have been a good fit next to bam. So let the heat draft. They're good at it. Let's do that too. Like, so yeah, there are moves to be made. I think Duncan's contract and a first can get you something from a team that wants to tank for uh, one Banyama or uh, scoot so that's something that i think as the season goes on they'll work on but yeah they to they need to survive until december and i don't think that's what the front office was thinking coming in they thought let's bring back the same team we don't have pj but we you know caleb's gonna be back Depot's gonna help us we'll be we'll be good enough and then we can make our run in february march and you know that's gonna be more difficult so they can't afford any more injuries they need year to come back healthy simply because they need backup big minutes um, and they need to survive. It's essentially like they are floating on a piece of wood in the middle of the ocean. They need to stay on that piece of wood and hope that they can get someone else um, to help them. You know, December 15th would be probably the time you could move Duncan. That opens up any other contract that was signed um, this offseason without any other technicalities. January 15th is when they can move Denman's contract and Depot's contract. So, um, I'm thinking they'll make two moves like that, but it's just trying to figure out what makes sense. And I know people are going to get excited if Duncan continues to hit threes well and say, no, we have to keep him. We need him. But he's not a postseason player. So I don't really care if he has an amazing season in the regular season. I've said that I don't, you know, if he shoots 60%, that's great for the team. But you you know what you're going to get from him in the postseason and you know how, how teams are going to play him. So they need to find a guy who fits next to Bam switches well, shoots well, and is a and can really do this in the postseason. On top of this season, they have to find someone who can bridge the gap into the next season and the future in case this build doesn't go well and they do make a move and use the pick. you got to get a guy that you could build around later on. And that's a lot 
of stuff that Andy Ellisberg has to do uh, over the next two to three months. That is a lot. And George, I saw you, so I'm going to go right back right to you, my man. Who are you targeting right now in season trade? Is there a move to be made? I love Harry's point about not just getting somebody for this year, but into the future, somebody young that can grow next to them as well would be preferable as well. So go ahead, George. Who are you targeting in season right now, most likely after December 15th? It's funny because I feel like there's a plethora of options as well, but we've got, you know, the bargain option, the the safe option, and then, you know, this the thrift spend option, which is Miles Turner. I'll start with him. Um, I feel like he'll demand the most return for for whatever play we're looking for in that position. I, I a seven footer who can hit threes and defend at a good level and block shots on paper next to Bam is just perfect. It's too good to be true almost. But if I'm looking at a mid option, I'm looking at PJ Washington, who I wish we had got last year before his um, you know, potential breakout season now is averaging 17 points a game of great, great shooting. And if we had got him cheaper, maybe we wouldn't have had to give up a first round pick for him at all. So it's, it's a game of waiting um, really like, Sometimes you get some people for cheaper. Sometimes it, it works out, um, you know, for the worst when you wait, which is with PJ Washington. But the cheap option, which I don't feel, believe we even have to give up a first-round pick for, is Kenny Martin Jr., who's actually having a, a solid season at the Rockets right now. Um, do I see them prying away somebody by December, by, by late December? I don't think so. I feel like this team's poised for, like, a deadline day move. Um, they'll wait as long as they have to to, to really see who – where their pieces lie and who's, you know, going to work out, who's not. And that comes down to really, will players like your seven play well when he comes back? Will, will Victor Oladipo even play? That that adjusts the radar somewhat. Um, Duncan Robertson, if he continues to play like he did yesterday, um, will, will they look to maybe keep him? I, I hope not because I, I, I know for a fact that he'll have those type of games where he'll look like an, a really solid piece and play up to that contract. And then five, six games after that, he just looks like he's completely lost out there. And I'm, I'm, I'm over waiting for players to perform who we've paid massive amounts of money to. So I'm leaning towards probably a PJ, PJ, uh, sorry, PJ Tucker, PJ Washington uh, deal because I just feel like you could a team like the Hornets, if you would offer them somebody like your seven or like, you know. Uh, even I'm just trying to think, I'm trying to think if we could get that deal done without a first round pick. I don't think they'd, they'd agree to anything without that first, but if they keep underperforming, which you've seen, you know, every game before yesterday, we will uh, inevitably might have to keep that pick because if we're not going to make uh, a deep playoff run, that pick could become important, could be top 15 um, for all we know at this point in time. So it's, that's why the wait and see comes such a, at, at a crucial time as well, because if we trade in December, that first round pick, and then we just start losing games at the regular, we don't even have our pick for this year. It just reflects badly on the organization. So I'm I'm in the wait and see basket. Wait to see what happens in um in you know late December, January, and then try and make a move after that. I'm gonna throw out a pipe dream name because I don't know if it's very realistic to be completely honest with you because of the season they're having so far. But how serious is Danny Ainge about Victor Wembanyama? How serious is he about it? Because every screenshot I see on Twitter after another Jazz win, this man looks terrified. This man looks like he he just saw his worst nightmare living out in front of him. If there was any way to get Laurie Markinen on this team, you do it. 
I would give up picks. I would give up whoever. Like, I think Laurie Marketing right now, by the way, I know these numbers would go down if he was moved to the Heat, obviously, because he's taken a bunch of shots in Utah. 22-9-3 and a steal and a block. Playing the four next to Bam, shooting the ball well. I know they're off to a good start. I don't know how serious they are about it. Maybe they'll come back down to earth. I always remember that year. I think didn't the Magic start like 8-2 and two one year or something like that? And everybody was saying they turned the corner and they absolutely had a terrible rest of the year. If that something similar happens into Utah, I know he's only like 24, 25 years old, so maybe they want to hang on to him. But Laurie Markkinen's my personal dream outside of Kevin Durant, um, to be completely honest with you. But uh, real quick to wrap this up here because we're approaching 40 minutes here. We only got two games after tonight's game against Sacramento that will be played um, before you guys hear from us again uh, next week. But we should talk about them. They're going to be taking on the Indiana Pacers in Indiana, and then they're going to be coming back home to face the Trailblazers, which will kick off a four-game road trip – or, sorry, four-game homestand with the Trailblazers, the Hornets, the Hornets again, and the Suns. So, again, this is not the hardest part of the schedule, especially when you see the Kings tonight, Pacers, Trailblazers, Hornets twice. So, Harry, I'm going to start with you. Not including Sacramento tonight, what are you expecting from the Heat out of their next uh, two games before we come back next week right before they take on the Hornets? I mean, probably one and one. They're um, they're an up and down team. I, I don't care what anyone says. I'm not. I'm really not seeing this this iteration of the team going on any big runs. Indiana's been a tough place for them to play, and um, you know while they're super young, they have a guys that can really uh, score the basketball and some some decent defenders up there. So I would kind of see see them probably dropping it at Indiana and then coming back and beating the Trailblazers, especially if uh, Dame is still out. Um, the other thing I want to just quickly mention to you is the Utah thing with Ainge is interesting because I feel like he kind of did that with the Bojan trade. They didn't get a lot for him. And um, so he's already signed that extension with Detroit. And they're just like, I don't know. He's not, he doesn't want to lose too many trades. I realize that he, you know, he, he realized this isn't the, the, the team that he wants and he wants to probably tank for the next two years because they can have pretty high picks, but you know, I don't know. I think Lori they're going to keep, but maybe there's other guys in the Jazz that they can look after. So going back to your question, I think one and one. Hopefully, we could beat the Hornets maybe next week, and you know, I'd have to think of what the record. I don't know. I'm, I'm worried about this team. I, I know they had a nice win yesterday, but I'm I'm nervous. Listen, George. Before I throw it to you, as much as the Heat have struggled this season, they find a way to beat the Kings tonight, which right now it's 40-42. You can beat the Pacers, Hornets twice, Trailblazers. Like you can start to put together the season back together and just say it was a tough start. We bounced back. But again, you lose some of these games, especially at home. It could get dicey really quick and those trade rumors only get louder and louder. What are you expecting between now and next week from this heat team? I was thinking the exact same thing. This is the time. If you're the, you know, the, if you want to be a higher seed and that, you know, it's come playoff time, this is the time to make a run. You you have to beat the Kings today and you should be beating the Pacers and Trailblazers. Um, you know, I know they got off to a five and zero start, but we, we had, manhandled them in a perfect game that we played um, in which we left little margin of error, but we played such such a complete and perfect game against them. But uh, look, I'm going to go 2-0. I feel like we'll win both the games. Uh, I don't think that Jimmy will miss any more time after this game. I feel like it's more of a precautionary um, resting today just to give him some time before this um, this upcoming stretch. But it's going to be interesting to see that, that, that Phoenix game coming up as well because that's our first real real challenge after, you know, um, after four or five really winnable games. So we'll see what happens. I am kind of with you here. I I think they're going to pull it out. I mean, now listen, 
they lose to Sacramento tonight, I'm probably going to tell you that they're going to go one and one. But if they can find a way to win tonight, Jimmy Butler comes back. Again, I, I think this could be a moment where the Heat start to salvage the season a little bit. Again, I don't think it's going to reach the level that we all hoped it would reach, um, especially at the beginning of the season and maybe what they thought with the championship and things like that. But I 100% think that this Heat team, this is a stretch right now where they could salvage it. But again, it's up to them um, more than anybody else, obviously. Before we let you guys go and close out this episode, I do want to remind you of a primary, the primary sponsor of the Basement Sports Network, and that is Simple Health Advisors, man. Insurance does not need to be complicated. Make sure you email them or give them a call today and tell them that the basement sent you. Email our guy at jpo at simplehealthadvisors.com or call the number 321-345-7738. One more time, 321-345-7738. I want to thank my guy Harry and George for coming out with me for today's episode. LJ will be back next week. The man got married. We'll have a full crew for you all next week after two more Heat games, not including Sacramento tonight. Uh, As LJ likes to say, take care and be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.